Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to an episode of the Kings of Queen City podcast. I'm Eli with Jake and Scott, and this is going to be our first episode on YouTube while also doing our audio version. So hopefully you guys check in in one of those facets. If you're listening to me, you obviously have. So thank you guys for tuning in and the Bengals are going to the Super Bowl. I mean, this is something that, again, I don't even think Scott predicted at the beginning of the year. We were all pretty optimistic about it, but man, it's... It's really wild to see the team have come this far, especially from we were pretty optimistic. I, I predicted nine and eight at the beginning of the year, especially halfway through. We all were thinking playoffs and just to see them in the Super Bowl right now is is pretty incredible. Um, they, they fought back against the Chiefs, overcame a 18 point deficit, which is insane to do in the playoffs, especially in the AFC championship, especially against the Chiefs. And I'm just really happy for the city. I'm happy for the team. I'm happy for everybody and especially the fans. Yeah. And I, I think it's just incredible. It's just crazy to see how far they've come. You, you think about where they started this year with Burrow coming back and really not having a full training camp. He never had a full off season. You think about the ups and downs losing to the jets. Um, you know, you also think about losing to the chargers in December. Uh, that you, you just have to think about how crazy it is that they've overcome so much and they have it. And it feels like we've been rewarded for everything. You know, there's times I can remember where we sat in that stadium and you don't even remember any of the game because you just sat there and talked with everybody from, I mean, from 2016, to 2019, that's just how it was. And I, I, this last, these last few days, I've been thinking about my favorite memories from the last you know, seven or eight seasons since we've been going. And it's just really cool to kind of think back, but it's just full circle, you know, um, how cool it really is. Yeah. I mean, like look back to it, like just even a couple months ago, like there, there was this big national narrative where Jamar Chase stinks and was a bust because he couldn't catch a pass in the preseason. Like there was a huge narrative of like about a little, a little less than two years ago now where, Joe Burrow should go to Miami because it's a better ran organization. Well, yeah, I'm not sure about that one, but uh, like, you know, like they've, they've been doubted for so long and then it's like overnight, they kind of became like a media darling, like coming into the year, people were like, bro, bro, he's probably ruined. Like, or at best he'll be bad this year in the rookie or in the sophomore slump and coming off an injury. And it's like, it's just it, it's almost like after that Raiders game kind of overnight the, the like the narrative of the Cincinnati Bengals completely changed. Yeah, it's been awesome to see how everything has changed. It reminds me of the sign guy at the Bengals stadium. One of his signs was uh, national media darlings to be or whatever. And it, it really seems like it's come that way. I feel like a lot of people have embraced the Bengals, especially this last week, because you're playing the Chiefs where not a lot of people like whatever's going on with the Chiefs. It's not really my home thing, but people that's surrounding him. Uh, people don't like that. And I mean, when you're the best, you're going to get everybody's best shot. So nobody likes a winner when you see them so often. That's happened to the Patriots. But yeah, the the narrative has switched a ton, especially for me. The biggest change over the whole season has definitely been Burroughs play because of the first month. I remember Scott, especially with how optimistic he was. Scott was a little scared for a little bit. I remember after the Bears game, Scott, we, we had a few conversations off air and stuff where we were we were talking about how it's not a concern yet, but if it would keep going that way, it, it would become a concern. But I think it was like after week like twelve or thirteen on, he's been on an absolute tear, and it's it's been awesome to see that. 
Yeah, I, it's just been crazy to see. It, it feels like this season was played almost in thirds. Like you got the first third of the season, which you saw the potential. And then kind of in that middle third was where I think after the Ravens game was where you started to question some things. You know, maybe this team, maybe this isn't really the season that like maybe maybe it's next season uh, is what I'm kind of trying to say. And then at the end of the year, after kind of that Denver game, you kind of think, you know, like, is this team for real? Is this team going to make some noise? And you look at it now, they haven't lost since before Christmas, really. The Browns game doesn't matter. It's just insane to see how, like, far this team has come in in just this season. Yeah, I mean, like, if if you look at it, like, stop, like, just go to the second half of the season, like, we got we got our we got our asses handed to us by the by the Browns and then went into the bye, and and after that the, like it was just I, I I think losing a game in that manner really helped this team to the fact of hey that's not going to happen again and they started rattling off wins their losses after the bye were the Browns at the end of the year when they didn't play anyone so like who who cares and then it was a, the Chargers game where they're down a million points in the first quarter, come back, look like they're about to take the lead, and then it just all falls apart again. And and the Niners game where we spotted them how many points off special teams blunders. So really, like, this team has been really good since the bye, and people just were, like, yet to notice it. Like, even going into this game, it was – that was that was a false loss for the Chiefs. Uh, the, like, they'll be fine. As long as they don't take ten penalties, they'll beat them easily. And it's just like, if you weren't watching this team, you couldn't see it. But yeah, like if you've watched this team all year, like it is different. There are special things about this team. Yeah, the way you described it, Jack, I love that where you said it was kind of the three quarters and it was definitely in waves. Like the the first half of the season, you were definitely on the positive. I mean, you start really hot with the Vikings win. Bears, you take that dip. Jack Steelers, you go up. Packers, you kind of go down a little bit, but that's a pretty, that's an okay loss, whatever. Um, you have the Lions game, which is fine. You beat up on the Lions. Ravens are sky high. Then you fall back to earth with the Jets. Like, it, it is crazy. It was very up and down, very roller coaster at times because, I mean, the team, it did take them a while to win three straight games. That was tough. So that I think that plays a big part in it. So you see that up and down. But it's just – it's awesome to see what they've been able to pull off this year and accomplish. So let's kind of – let's let's go our way into the game now. The Bengals win 27-24 to against the Chiefs. I mean – starting off 20 21 to three against the chiefs in the AFC championship is probably at the top of the list of disaster situations. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the headline here is Lou, you crazy son of a bitch. You did it again. He came up. I I think, I, I don't think his plan in the first half was bad. You know, they had a few shot plays, but really I, I thought the Chiefs came out, and Mahomes played a perfect half. I mean, he was tremendous. And to come out with a completely different game plan in the second half on one of the biggest stages in football takes some absolute balls. I mean, they he could have just said, you know, we're sticking with this and we'll see what happens. And instead, the urgency was there that they had to change something up, and it's so cool. Um, just so many guys stepped up in that second half. I mean, it – I forget who tweeted it, but they someone said that they thought almost every player had a big play, and I, I couldn't. I, I I agree with that. I mean that that is a very true statement, and 
just an unbelievable game plan by Lou. Yeah, I mean, Lou Anaruma, he, do, he does it again. Like, he he held the Chiefs to three points in the second half again. Like, when, when has that ever happened? Like, that that it sounds unreal. But, I mean, yeah, the defense was awesome. He he, he came up with a new plan that, that really worked. Um, I mean, and it's just, yeah, every guy made a play. Like, the, the greatest trade in Bengals history – Getting, getting B.J. Hill in a seventh for Billy Price. B.J. Hill has a game-changing interception because that's exactly what we all thought, you know. Patrick Gomes is going to give one to B.J. Hill. Like, who didn't see that one coming? Yeah, I, I, I can't say it better. Just everybody on defense made a play. I mean, Eli Apple saves what would have been the Chiefs going up 28-3 to right before the half, pretty much what starts the whole game change. I mean, you have the... Uh, the drive out of, I think it was the first drive the Chiefs had out of the second half. You have Trey Flowers with a huge pass breakup on Travis Kelsey to stop him. Um, I mean, Trent Taylor on special teams and on the two-point conversion has some crazy plays, not on the defense side of the ball. Like, it's just crazy that everybody on the team stepped up. I mean, if you're going to talk about a negative, we can get into that later with, like, the right guard situation, but we'll, we'll hit on that later. But especially on the defense side of the ball, there was not, like – a weak link. There wasn't somebody who didn't do their part. Like everybody played their role and did it to perfection. Yeah. And I I don't know if you guys agree with this, but I think Sam Hubbard, you know, may have played his best game as a Bengal. Honestly, I, it just an incredible game. He has been on fire these last two weeks. You can look at some of the plays he made against the Titans and say, you know, he was one of the most important guys. You can look at, you know, Sunday and say he was one of the most important guys. Without him and, you know, the way he stepped up at the end, I don't know. I don't know what the end looks like. He was truly, you know, he, he's just so versatile, honestly. You know, you see him do a little bit of everything. You know, he's not, he's not the greatest pass rusher. You know, he, he just does everything well. You know, he doesn't – he's just not there, – there isn't really a weak link to his game. You know, you could say the pass rush, but he, he just embodies kind of what – Lou and Rumo wants out of that defense and that's versatility. Yeah. I mean, the whole defense is, is pretty much built on being like versatile. Like look at, look at all the moves that this defense made in the last, you know, last off season. Like you, br- you bring in, we've brought in pretty much just veterans that have done it before that can, can serve multiple purposes. Like you bring in Trey Hendrickson, a veteran that has experience playing in big time games. You bring in Mike Hilton, a veteran who can do multiple things from a slot quarter, slot cornerback position. So he gives you another element to that defense and he's played in big games. Uh, like it's just all every, every move they made was on the defense was built to, you know, have a veteran presence, veteran captain type presence. And then it like, it's the, it's the opposite of the offense where the offense is all the young guns. The defense is definitely more of a, was a more proven unit in the league coming into the year. And, I mean, like Duke Duke Tobin turned into turned into King Midas this offseason. Like every single possible move the Bengals like could have made and did make, like worked out probably better than anyone could have like even hoped for. It's like every single thing they did all offseason just ended up being money. The way Scott described the offense and defense was was perfect. 
the defense was definitely you had the pieces that were more proven. They they had the experience in the league. You had guys who had, had a playoff experience. And there was the question of you didn't know how they were going to fit together, or how they were going to work. And this playoff run kind of shows you the epitome of that. They've been doing what they've wanted to do. I mean, the first game you kind of you went ugly against the Raiders. It wasn't a great one. And then you have a game with the Chiefs and the Titans that are pretty much two polar opposites of offenses that this team pretty, I mean, besides the first half and Steve shut down, I mean, against the Titans, you're getting told all week, they're going to run all over you. And I mean, it makes it seem like the entire world's never heard of DJ reader. So it, and Sam Hubbard, both are incredible run defenders. They have their way against the Titans and then against the chiefs. And so nobody can slow down the chiefs as if they didn't do that. And it's just, it's hilarious that it's also three points in the second half in both games that they played, but they do the same thing here where they just completely shut down their offensive like air raid that no one can do. And it's, it's incredible what they've done in this postseason stretch. Yeah. Just, just quickly about this defense, like the last two games, like we saw this defense have a great game running almost six, six defensive linemen, every play, like a five, six man front, every single play. And then you turn around and they play debatably the best half a defense has ever played versus Patrick Mahomes and the chiefs in the biggest spot imaginable. And they do that by, I mean, we were dropped. It felt like a majority of plays we ended up dropping eight. It's like the two polar opposite styles of defense. And they did it successfully on like on both versus versus two like good offenses. Yeah. And they just find ways to win and, that's all you really have to do in the playoffs. And it, it hasn't been pretty. I, I wouldn't call any of their wins in the playoffs pretty at, at all. You know, maybe the, the second half of the Chiefs game was pretty. But, you know, that's just what you have to do. And they've grinded out a bunch of wins. You know, you, you look back, that's all they've done, really, other than, you know, the Ravens game where they absolutely just boat race them. But, you know, it, it's just impressive to see. And you, you really haven't you've never really seen this. I, I can't remember any real Bengals teams that have done this. And so it's just so impressive. And again, I think it's the culture that they've bought into. And I, I think it's crazy to say, because if you would have thought a year ago, we'd be saying this, we would have probably all called each other insane, but they just do a great job playing together. And I honestly, truly think that's why they're pulling out these wins. Yeah. Like people, I mean, what, what's the old, the old mantra that always holds true is defense wins championships. Like, look at all three of these playoff games. The last play this defense had in all three games was an interception. I mean, turnovers are, turnovers are better than gold in the playoffs. It, like, this defense has just been opportunistic, and we saw it pretty much the majority of the year, but playoffs included. Like, whenever this team just needs a play from the defense, they, they, the defense holds and finds a way to get it for them. Yeah, it's it's so it, just going back to what Jake said, if you would have said this like last year, nobody nobody would have believed you because now you're talking about a team that arguably has the best locker room culture in the NFL just because of the way guys talk about each other. And I'm not sure if it was last year, the year before there was literally a hit, not a hit piece, but a piece written about how bad the locker room culture was. I mean, yeah, it was the holdover from what was left with Marvin, but like it's crazy to see the complete 180 you've seen in about a year. It's just, it's nuts where these guys, you can tell the way they play, they play for each other. Like this isn't, they, they don't care what other people think. They don't care about the noise. They, they are playing for each other and 
especially on the defense side of the ball, you've seen it. And I mean, I, I would say you haven't seen the offense play very well in this playoff run. And I don't think that's a, a terrible thing to say. I mean, they just haven't gotten the the plays they like they're winning ugly. And I mean, that's what matters. Um, but they're, they're playing for each other and it's, it's, it's pretty incredible to see. And I, it gives me a lot of bright outlook on the future because of how defensively they're winning these games and their offense hasn't even had their best game yet. Yeah, absolutely. And I, with the offense, I, I guess we'll just kind of a little transition into that. You know, it's not pretty. It hasn't been pretty. And I think we all thought, you know, if they're going to make this big playoff run, it's going to be because they play great on offense. They, they really haven't. But again, and it's they just do what they have to do to win. It, it, it felt like it was big third down catch after big third down catch. You know, the one that really sticks in my mind was a T. Higgins um, – I can't, it might've been like a comeback, but anyways, he just caught, he goes up and gets it. Like he literally, the ball's by him and he catches it. It, It's just insane. And that's what, that's just what you have to do. You have to make those plays in those spots. And I I don't think we're really realizing how good T was on Sunday. He, I feel like he's a little, you know, overshadowed, but it felt like when, you know, they needed that third down, it was either him or Tyler Boyd and it was just really, uh, really good to see, honestly, you know, you just to see someone else really stepping up. Yeah. I mean, the, the, this team in general all year, or like, especially in the playoffs, like it's, it's been the, who, who's the guy that steps up that like, no, no one saw coming. Like in this game, he, he still, he had some plays that weren't great, but like, who who in the right mind thought Samaj P. Ryan's going for a 40-yard touchdown on a screen? It's like all over all over this team, there's guys like it's just guys stepping up. And it's it's I mean it's a special thing to see because when you get that, you know, you know you got a real shot to make up make a run at this thing. Yeah, and t- hitting on what Jake said about T. Higgins, I feel like he has the quietest hundred yard games ever. Like you just look up and the guy is one of six. It's crazy. I mean, he had an incredible game offensively, I think. It sounds so cliche. I don't think it was Joe Burrow's best game, but it was one of his most impressive. Just with his pocket awareness, you saw kind of those vintage flashbacks to LSU Joe when he's escaping Chris Jones on the one play where I'm screaming my head off to get rid of the ball. He gets out of it. And then I felt like Zach Taylor last year in the Titans game when he was telling him to throw it away and then he throws that ball to T for completion or whatever. And he just makes something happen. And he did it again on another third down. We just ran up the gut for 11. I mean, Joe had had a good game. I mean, besides that that ball that he kind of forces gets picked off. I mean, the running game has been hit or miss, but it's been really nice to see Joe again just step up when it matters the most. He hasn't had the he doesn't have the sexy like four hundred yards, four touchdowns, zero picks, but he he gets it done in the playoffs and he has a huge play to Jamar in the Titans game where he sets you up in field goal game to win the game. I mean, he's he just makes the big plays when it matters. Yeah, and he's clutch. I mean, that, that's all that's all there is to it. But we knew that. He's been doing that his entire life. And it's just so impressive to see, you know, he doesn't give a shit that his line is awful. He just doesn't. Like, he, he makes the plays, and he overcomes it. Remember, you know, back in the Andy Dalton days, that was our big thing we said, you know, good players overcome these types of things. And we're literally seeing, like, this is exactly what we wanted and what we talked about having. And it's just insane. And again, you know, the stats aren't 
you know, sexy like Eli, Eli was saying. But again, he's making the big plays. You know, he's getting the third down runs. And didn't he joke and say that he had to have like 100 yards or something with Zach? And it, it, yeah. it's just funny that, you know, a couple of their biggest plays on offense are him running the ball. It's just crazy. Yeah, I mean, Joe Burrow is – like if if you could build in the lab what you want your franchise quarterback to to be like what what you want him to be whatever whatever comes out like it's gonna it's gonna be very similar to Joe Burrow he's he's I mean suit like way way beyond his his uh like years in like football IQ and like just processing the game which is still I think might be the best thing about his game but yeah like he's just he's just the guy like I was I was talking like with buddies like or even earlier in the year that like aren't Bengals fans and they they look at his stats or they they're like eh, like he's not that good you're overrating him it's like he he's one of the, he's one of those players you you kind of have to watch him to just like fully understand it cuz like his numbers in the playoffs haven't been light the world on fire good like he has four touchdowns and two interceptions like they're not light the fire this this is the best quarterback in the league but but you watch him and it just he make he he does things that you don't expect like he makes plays where you're, like you're just like holy cow like how, how how did that happen how does he do this and then I think another thing is the Chiefs have almost like broken people's brains to a point where like the the league has become an offensive league completely but like it the now now like there's expectations about how how often you score like. Look at look at like most Super Bowl teams. Like the Chiefs, have, as great as that offense has been, they they got their one. But like, look look at like the Tom Brady blueprint. Like he had a great quarterback. The offense they were needed to do, and the defense made made big plays in big moments. Like teams aren't scoring forty in the playoffs. Like the the these teams are playoff teams too. They're, they're you're not playing the Jaguars. Like te- like they step up. So I, I think it's people almost like expected those his last run of the year to be what you see in the playoffs where it's not really fair, but I mean, yeah, there's an argument to be had. He's playing as debatably his best ball. Like he's just, he's finding ways to make plays when there's not much there. I think one of the underrated parts of the game on Sunday was the fact that the offensive line wasn't good, but it wasn't the worst we've seen. I mean, it's kind of hard to be worse than nine sacks in a playoff game. I mean, that that's as bad as it gets. And they only let up one sack, which is really good for them. I mean, obviously, you had to be evasive. It wasn't great. But all in all, I mean, when you have a guy like Joe Burrow, it's kind of the argument that I always think about is just when people talk about how good Russell Wilson was when he started. It's they never had the offensive line, and he always would just push them there. And it kind of gives me shades of that. I mean, they're pretty different players in terms of anything else. But they both had really bad offensive lines early, and they they just kind of make do and make it happen. And uh, in that, I see a lot of parallels. And the line wasn't great. I don't think it was like Tennessee where it kind of ruined their entire game plan. I don't think – Play calling was awesome on Sunday, but I think it was enough to get the job done. Um, and I don't think the offensive line had a huge impact on Sunday, but I do think it it affected what they wanted to do. Yeah, and I, I think they've had a good enough scheme to kind of, you know, be able to get some guys in space. They really haven't been taking any of the shot plays. I I wouldn't consider their that drive when they got down there and kicked that first field goal, you know, shot plays. but 
it, it, it kind of showed you that they weren't going to get the calls and that they were probably going to be really handsy anytime it was a go route or anything. So I was cool with it. But, you know, with the line being like that, I think they've done everything they can. And Zach has done a good job scheming it up to get guys in space and, you know, taking away the weakness. I, I think that nine sacks in a game is almost a fluke. Like at times all their pressures hit. So we weren't going to see that, but, you know, again, I, I know I've said it a bunch. The offensive line just did what they had to do to give Joe at least a chance. And that is all he really needs. Yeah, like, so the one one thing that almost kind of got lost was, I mean, it was like the Bengals' offensive line so terrible. Like, they gave up nine sacks. Like, yeah, that's not good. But, but like, it kind of got lost in the shuffle just how good Tennessee's, like, defensive front is, like – they are, they have a very good front four. Like they were going to get pressure, but, and then like all week you hear how the chiefs are going to get tons of pressure on us. Like I didn't see it. They didn't, they didn't wreck us with their D line in the first matchup. Like they don't have the guys Tennessee does. So the, the other one with the O line is like, obviously it's, it's the standout point for next season. That's like fine and dandy. I see people talking about it though. And it's like, who cares? Like, we're, we're playing in the Super Bowl. Who cares about how we're going to fix the offensive line in the offseason? Like, I don't give a shit. Like, that, that's a month from now problem. So, like, this coming into the season, we're like, we need the offensive line to just take the step and be become serviceable. Become not a bottom 10-0 line. Like, just be, just be able to not completely wreck games to where we can't win. And, I mean – the, the offensive line in general has kind of done what we asked it to. Like, it has improved. It's, it's gotten better. It's not – it's nowhere near perfect. But, like, they are playing better, better and it's like, you know, it, it – like, that, that's about all you can ask for this O-line. Like, they, they, played, they played their tails off versus the Chiefs, and they did what you asked them to. Like, they're going to they're gonna have slip-ups and stuff. But, like, just, just keep battling and be tough, and that's kind of what we've seen them do. I always thought going into this Chiefs game that people were a little too high on the Chiefs defensive line and a little too low on the Titans. Like kind of what Scott said there, the, the defensive line for the Titans, they've got dogs on that on that line. And kind of what you said, Jake, it, all of their pressure set. Well, you weren't going to see it again because they just had a great scheme in it and it hit for them every time they needed it to. And so kind of as we move forward, I just wanted to like take a, a second to say like, what, what does the win mean to like you guys as fans? Because I think that's the the cool part of this, like as much as we like to talk about like the X's and O's and stuff like that, like at the end of the day, we're, we're fans because we love the team and love the city. So what does it mean for you guys? You know, I, I think it's, we've been rewarded for all those years. Um, all the years that, you know, we, we claimed that Mike Brown was cheap or that, you know, this team wasn't trying stuff like that. You know, you show up to, we, we've gone to pretty much every single game since 2015 Eli we've been through like the hardest the hardest games 2019 where we sat there when went nuts for an 0-11 win against the Jets it's just really cool and you know like you said like we love this city I I, I love Cincinnati I, I really do and it just means a ton and you think you think about like all, all the, all of your friends, like I immediately after they won, like I thought of you guys and like how cool it is that this is a season that we're going to get to go watch a Super Bowl. Yeah. I mean, like 
it, it's just so like you're so happy for like you know all us Bengals fans just like you know it like we've kind of been the butt of the joke like our entire lives like uh, like just you know it, it 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 wears on you and then you have you know just like something like this happens like you can you you see it on everyone's faces just like how how excited people are about this team like how exciting it is to you know be be in these moments like the game the game ended and the like the first thing i did is like a group of probably like a, a group of like six of my like great buddies from like high school and you know like we're still great friends like we're in a we're in a group chat where you know we've been talking all game and stuff and and we're and we're facetiming right after the kick and uh my buddy mark who you you guys know he he, he was there so he's he's on facetime and like with us and he's there and we're all just going nuts in our houses like we're watching him and his family go crazy at arrowhead and like i mean it was just, it's such a cool thing you know like we we were always optimistic but like there's definitely parts of all of us that you know wouldn't have been surprised if you told us like we were we were never going to see something like this so it, it's just, it's just such a cool thing to experience and see see the joy it's brought to everybody i mean people we didn't even know were Bengals fans are living and living and dying with every, every snap of this team now it's just it's been an awesome thing to see yeah, I think that's the coolest part about sports in general is just the way that you build a community and you see people and like that's I think my favorite part about the games is getting to tailgate with everybody and just be able to hang out and the friendships you make from it. And I definitely think Cincinnati's special in that way where I don't think a lot of teams have a community like Bengals fans do. And they've definitely I I think it's a Jake and I talked about it for a while. It's a misery loves company thing where in the down years, that's how you make it through is because you're you're seeing friends, you get to meet new people and stuff like that. And obviously me, I have a different story than you guys. Like my dad and uncle have been season ticket holders for 31 years like they, they've raised me on the team. So obviously for me, it means a lot just seeing it through them, because as Jake will tell you, they're almost like nauseously optimistic when we were terrible and we knew we were going to be terrible they would come to every game like expecting and hoping a win and we'd be like it's just it's funny and it's I, you just love to see it for guys like that for me because you have these old fans that haven't gotten to see a super bowl win and haven't got to see this run and i mean when you're talking about fans like us people our age we've never seen a success like this for any of our teams and it just it means a lot to see everybody come together as as a community and to see everybody support and come together for one cause is just is really awesome to see. And another thing, Big Cat talked about this, but I was thinking, I, I literally said this on Sunday before the game. I was like, usually January is a real shitty month. It's usually really cold and really boring. And then um, I looked up and I'm like, oh, the month's almost over. Like, <laughs> it, it's unbelievable. It's awesome. Like, it's, it's just a lot of fun. And you know, it, I, I got to watch it at a bar in Clifton. Like, it, it's so cool to see everybody just go nuts and how much everybody is just invested into this team. You just – and it goes to show, you know, I, I'll, I'll never gatekeep fandom. It, it's just not who I am. I don't care. Like, some people care more about it than others. It is what it is. But there are a lot of people that really do like this team. You know, whether or not they're the person on Twitter saying that they love it when you know you're winning two games in a season or not you know it doesn't matter but Cincinnati has a great fan base and there's no denying that yeah I mean 
it, it, no, no, like it nationally, no one would have said we had a fan base like worth a damn because, like, you know, the success wasn't there. You, like, you never got to see it, but like all of us, like, we kind of knew like this fan base it is is like really good. Like, they're really rabid. They they love this team, but you know, after after so long, like. It's just, it just was a thing where you saw people just like I can't I can't go through this anymore what have you but I mean just to like see see the happiness that this team's brought people like or like I can't even wrap my head around it like there there's probably a lot of people out there now that are like for lack of a better word like bandwagoning the Bengals like we're gonna have fans that aren't really from Cincinnati with not no connection like. You never thought we would have thought we would have seen something like that. Like one of my best friends from college, like became a Bengals fan this year. Cause like we spent all, all like, you know, quarantine and stuff watching, I'd be watching Bengals highlights and making them watch them with me and like doing all this stuff. And it's, it's also crazy too. When like, I think about that and it's like, look at everything we've seen our whole life and like what we've been through. And now like, this is his first year and this is what he sees. It's it's like, it's crazy to see how stark a difference that that is. Yeah. I, I absolutely love it. That that's been my favorite part. I think of the whole run and everything is seeing the reactions that people have that they, where they record themselves and stuff. My favorite one ever was seeing like a bunch of, it was probably kids maybe like from ages like 12 to 15 and they're like, we're celebrating after the Raiders game. And that just like struck a chord with me. Cause like, I remember when we were 15 and 16, we were driving home from, the stadium in borderline tears from the Steelers game. And just to see these people have these like awesome experiences, like it's like core memory stuff, the stuff you take with you for the rest of your life. And it's just awesome to see the fans be able to finally do this and get this kind of success and happiness from the team is awesome to see, but let's kind of get into our winners and losers. Now we'll go this a little bit quicker. Cause we did hit on a lot of these guys already, but um, I said the biggest winner of the game, my opinion was Luana Rumo. I mean, it, I Jake and I for a while last season were cursing his name a little bit and I would be the first to say it. I look like an idiot. This guy is a borderline mastermind with the stuff he comes up with, especially against the chiefs. I mean, there's it's, it's crazy. I, I just don't know how he does it be, to be able to hold the chiefs to six points in two combined second halves when you need to, like, this isn't just random throwaway games when you're facing like the jets and the Jets are playing them for some random time, and the Jets hold them to three. Like These are games you have to win. One was to win the division. The other is to win the conference. And it's he deserves all the credit in the world. Yeah, and I, I have Lou, too. Just for the sake of um, this, I, I'll pick Zach. I, I think, you know, he stuck with it. He stuck with his vision. And I guess even bigger than Lou Anarumo, you know, he believed in Lou and it's crazy. It is insane that they had won like eight combined games for not you like six. It was six. They had won yeah. six combined games and to believe in that vision is just, it's insanity. I mean, we were ready to blow it up. I was ready to blow it up. You know, I was, you know, saying it was a failure, but they, they keep trudging along. And if anybody deserves it, like nobody deserves it more than Zach Taylor, honestly, you know, he was going to be – he went from most likely to be fired to most likely to win coach of the year, which I don't I, – I, there's no way that's ever happened. And if it has, then good for that coach. But just <laughs> – I, I know this is going to sound crazy, but we're the Cinderella story. 
And, you know, it, we really are, you know, from, from worst to first, it, it's, it's really happening. Yeah. So I'm going to go, I'm going to go on a tyrant or a, you know, just tangent and I'm going to go snake draft rules and take two. So I don't get stuck with the last pick, but um, I mean, it's gotta be Joe Burrow. Like everything changed as soon as we got Joe Burrow. Like we've never seen a guy be able to do this in Cincinnati. Like it's so fun to watch him. It's so special. Like you can just see it. Like, he 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 represents what it like. He he represents kind of what Cincinnati is and wants to be. Like he's just such a the he's the perfect guy for this team. And what he's done has been nothing short of remarkable. And then the other one is, I, I'll give it I'll give it to to Shooter. Like, I mean, he's probably gonna break Vinatieri's record for most most field goals in a playoff like ever. Like in in one specific instance of like a playoff run. The record's 13 for Vinatieri, and he has 12, so two two field goals breaks it. Like, this kid's a rookie, and, I mean, he might have the best kicking playoffs ever. Like, the kid's just nails. It, it's it's insanity to see. Like, you know, we all know how we felt last season. Like, Fat Randy would walk up, and we'd be like, well, this is going to be a disaster. And, I mean, he's he goes out for game winners, and, like, you know, it it's not like – this nervous pit in your stomach. Oh, the world's about to crumble here. It's this nervous excitement of it's at, this is Evan McPherson. Like he's going to bury it again. Yeah. Evan, he's been, he's been absolutely incredible. Um, the other player I had, but we already talked about, so it's just going to be quick T Higgins. I said, he always has uh, the quietest hundred yard games you've ever seen. Um, another huge one to me is Jesse Bates. I mean, the stretch he's had in the postseason has been absolutely incredible. I mean, every time they need a big play, he's there. He's had a great coverage grade, which is kind of what we've been missing out of the regular season Jesse Bates this year. But ever since we got in the playoffs, he stepped it up. He makes the biggest play of the game when he pretty much tips it out of Tyree's hand. And Big Cat also said that it looked like he was attempting to hit it to to Bates. Or no, I think that was uh, Pat McAfee was talking about it. And he said it. Yeah, it looks oh. like he goes to hit it, and he, when he hits it, it looks like he's trying to get it to Von Bell, and I think he was, and I mean, it, if for me, I think this he's earned a blank check this offseason. I mean, just give him whatever he wants. He deserves it. Yeah, absolutely. He he has just been – I we said it last week, but he has been just a different player since the playoffs have started. And, yeah, I, I think this is probably the guy you'll see if they give him the check. I think he was just kind of playing. He was trying to be perfect, and now now he can just play. You know, you, if you lose, you're out. And so he's just playing as hard as he can, and he's definitely earned it. And he quite I I think he was quietly having a great game, and then he just comes up with one of the biggest plays on defense at the end. So yeah, and again, I know I said it earlier, so I won't hit it again. But I think Sam Hubbard deserves a lot of credit too. Um, just the way he kind of did. On that last drive, you know, being able to uh, rush the passer, you know, spy the quarterback, just just did a lot of things really well. Yeah, I mean, like, I it also feels like you could just point to every, any player on this team, like, just just scroll down the roster and put your finger on someone, and what well, we can talk about how they made a play that was absolutely instrumental in this team, like. You know, I the big I think the biggest winner out of everything though, and we have touched about it. Like I just think it's the city of Cincinnati. Like 
us fans, we we've deserved like we deserve this. Like we we've waited long enough. You know, this is a deserved thing for this city and this fan base. And you know, it's nice to experience it uh, in all its glory. Yeah, I th- I think that's a great way to to end off the winners. The only loser I had was really the right guard position, and it's not something I'm going to hit on a ton. Um, but I do think it's worth noting. I think Hakeem Denji had a really rough game, ended up getting pulled for Carmen. Um, I've been on the Carmen train since the beginning of the year. I think he's got a lot of uh, he's he's raw, but he's got a lot of tools. You see him make plays. I mean, in the screen game, he has the seal that pretty much lets uh, P Ryan jump off. And in the uh, second half, they have a screen that probably goes for a touchdown if P Ryan doesn't go to the left. Should have gone to the right, but kind of busted play, but. Uh, yeah, the the guard right guard was definitely the weakest position on the line of the day, and I think it's definitely something you got to look forward to, especially since playing the Rams. I mean, you got Aaron Donald, so they got to figure it out. Uh, personally, I like Carmen more in that situation. Carmen, uh, I think, is stronger and more athletic than Hakeem, and I think that's kind of what you need to, to face a guy like Donald. So it's going to be interesting to kind of see how that matchup plays out. Yeah, at times you wish you could kind of combine them for uh, sure. Because uh, Hakeem's maybe a little more consistent, but he doesn't have, like, the big plays. And when he's bad, he's really, really bad. And same with Carmen. When they're bad, they're really, really bad. And I I was thinking about that the other day. If if you could just combine them, you'd have a pretty serviceable guard. And I I think we're going to see that out of Carmen at some time. But, again, you know, you just have to learn how to deal with it. And I I don't think – I, I don't think we're going to see what we saw. We might we might see what we saw on Sunday. But, again, we all know that they're not going to be this, you know, elite-level guard. It, they are who they are. And, it, sure, they're, it, sure, I guess they're the losers of the team. But, you know, they're just playing their game. And they're doing what they can with what they have. So, yeah, I mean, I think I think it gets, you know, lost in the shuffle of it all. Like, People, people don't remember, like, Carmen nor Adenogy are guards. Like, they weren't, they weren't guards in college. This is, you know, they've had to adjust kind of on the fly to a new position. I mean, that, that doesn't go perfectly. Like, there's going to be struggles. Um, Aaron Donald's an absolute freak. So, like, yeah, we'll have to figure out something there. But, I mean, it, it's been the it, – it, it'll end up being the same problem they've had to deal with all – all year at that spot almost so I'm not like crazy worried about it in, in general like I'm maybe a little more worried than I am in a normal game but like you're never we haven't gone into a game feeling you know can like right guards gonna gonna be fine today you know so it and eh, we'll, we'll we'll see yeah, uh, so that's kind of our winners and losers from the game. So I want to take this part before we get into a little short outlook of the Bengals-Rams Super Bowl. We're going to do a bigger episode on that next week. We're going to watch a little bit of film. So we'll just have a little one at the end of that. But I kind of wanted to ask you guys, is there a game or situation where you kind of look back through the regular season? And it could be the postseason, but you look at what game or plays kind of define this team in your eyes? What are the plays or games that jump out to you? So earlier when I talked about how the season was in thirds, there's a couple, there's, I picked a game from basically almost each third of, you know, what I thought was what I was talking about. So the first game is Green Bay. I thought that was the game where they showed you, Hey, you know, we can hang with the best right now. Like we, we are going to be like, we're, we're not here to just, you know, think about next year like this this could be a year where you make a run so that was the first game 
Um, and then from the, you know, second, third, I have basically San Francisco. You can make a case that it's kind of like the back third, but it's kind of right there on the edge. Um, that's the game where I think the script flipped. I think that was at the end of where we questioned the team, you know, and then right after that, Zach makes the change to basically say, you know what, Joe Burrow, you're going to win us. You're going to win us all these games. You're going to take us to the playoffs. And then lastly, the game that I think, you know, has a, like a bunch to say is the Kansas city one. That's when, you know, they're for real. That's, that's when you start to believe. And, you know, also I don't think people realize how big the Broncos win was. That's, that was the beginning of the, you know, not sexy wins, just getting getting it done. Um, so those are kind of the games I, I've really been thinking about. Yeah, I mean, I can I, I can go on about this for days. Um, I'll pick I'll pick a weird one. Uh, I'll say Week One Minnesota. I mean, look at what we've seen in this playoff run: defense with a very timely turnover when you absolutely need a play. Joe Burrow being Joe Burrow. And Evan McPherson making making a clutch kick when you need it. Throwing a Jamar Chase long ball because that was basically the offense for eight weeks. So, I mean, and there, there's just there's so many other ones. Like, I I went to that Denver game, so I'll, I'll pick that one. Like, this team, like you know, we thought it was going to be all in the offense, and there have been times where the offense has needed you know to step up and be big in games. But that was that was another game to just show you they can they can win in different styles. Uh, like, like I was there, like, I thought Burrow played, I thought Burrow like played well that game. His stats were not, they weren't bad, but like, they weren't anything. Like it was a run the ball game uh, where we kind of, we kind of had a landmark of, Hey, if we can get the certain amount of points, like we're not scared of the Broncos offense. So like our defense is going to carry us to this one. And you, you saw, you saw it in that game where, that was, I think that was probably the first one the defense single-handedly like won that game. And I mean, now, now you've, you've seen defense be, I mean, instrumental, like with, with, where is this Bengals team without, you know, the defense where they can just flip the script and play one of the greatest halves of defensive football you'll ever see. Yeah, it's it's definitely hard to pick one. I, I like what you hit on, Scott, with the Vikings game. I think that's a really interesting one because it's so early, so a lot of people forget about it. But I think that's where, one, you saw Joe. He didn't play great. So I think that one is less offensive. But I think you're right. That's the way they've been winning. It's defensive. They get the timely turnover, and then Evan is just nails. So, I mean. And that was when they had him on a pitch count, too. Like, yeah. So you just saw, like, you had the vision of what this team could be because, I mean, we knew he was going to be on a pitch count early and get weaned off it. But to see that week one, yeah. Yeah. To me, I'd say the biggest one to me is the second Steelers game because I'm pretty sure that was the game where we all kind of had that, okay, Joe's back. This was when Joe had his great game. He had a great game, and he had that run where he jukes out Minka, has the touchdown where he does the the tap on his chest. I feel like that was the game where – we find it. You kind of saw shades of it with the Raiders, but they were so run dominant in that game where I don't think you really saw it as much. But that's Steelers game. I mean, the way you kind of saw Joe take over, and then uh, Chargers game doesn't have his best game, but I feel like that's more um, the fumble with Joe Mixon, and then you have the bobble interception with um, with Jamar, and then the Niners game. You see Joe kind of completely take over until the last second where they take the ball out, and then he has a great stretch up until this point. I mean. 
if I'm going to pick one from the playoffs, to me, I honestly think it's the Titans game is the most impressive to me because it's probably the ugliest you've seen the offense look and you pull out a win with offensive plays right at the end. The defense plays incredible, get you three turnovers, which you obviously need. But the fact that Joe makes a play in the biggest moment to get you in field goal range and to have Evan drill it, I mean, to me, it's Steelers game and the Titans game are the ones that I would say are the ones to me that kind of define the season up to this point. Yeah, and another thing that I think defines the season, it, it's, it's moments where they fail and you basically know they're never going to make that mistake again. You know, you haven't seen a Joe Mixon fumble since then. You know, not that he fumbles all the time, but you also see, you know, this is a pass on a coverage that, you know, he wasn't expecting or something like that. It's not happening again. Or some of the de- defensive plays, they're not being beat twice. It, it, it's just, it's, a, it's very impressive. And you, you, that's what good teams do. They're not going to let you beat them twice, and they learn from their mistakes. And it felt like in years past, you know, they never, they never learned from their mistakes. They just got beat by the same things every single time. And I think that is one of the, you know, defining headlines of this season. Yeah, I mean, I agree completely. And, you know, it's not it, – it is on the field play, but not really. But another one just to touch on is, like, what, what was the running, running gag during the Marvin years? Like, halftime adjustments don't exist. We've turned into – I mean, halftime's adjustments that this, this uh, unit, like – this, this coaching staff makes or like have been incredible like the majority of the year they like there's just so many things of this team that like have, are different than what we've ever seen like there's just you can point to anything it's like well I'll even touch on this even though it, it's kind of off topic like what quarterbacks coming down coming back from down 18 in the conference championship it's happened one other time and it was Peyton Manning like you have a quarterback that's doing this in his second year. Like there's, there's so many things when you just, if you can take a step back and look at this season, the Bengals have it, it it's, it's mind blowing. Like, like we're going to like, regardless, like we're going to take a step back in like a month and a half and just as an overview of this season, be like, whole like what a ride that was like, even, even to compare to other franchises, like, there aren't as many, there aren't tons of times where, you know, teams feel like this and have done things that the Bengals have done. Yeah, it's definitely been a, a really special season. And that kind of leads us to where we'll, we'll end off the podcast today. The Bengals will play the LA Rams in the Super Bowl in SoFi Stadium. So that's going to be incredible. I'm really excited to watch. I'm pretty sure when we talked about it, I think all of us probably would have rather faced the Niners just because one, you've already seen them before and Joe Burrow against opponents uh, that he's already seen is very good. Um, I think the Niners are obviously the worst team considering they lost, but also before I just like the way they matched up a little bit better. Uh, I think the Rams are a really talented roster through and through. Um, they have had their struggles through the year. I'm going to watch some uh, more film in their, in their bad games. And then they're great ones for we talk next week to kind of see what they do well and uh, what they don't. But what, what were your guys' takeaways when uh, the Rams won on Sunday night? Um, again, and I, I, I've said this pretty much the whole season and the playoffs. If you want to win a Super Bowl, you got to beat the best teams. And that's exactly what they have to do. And I, I think the Rams, I, I, the biggest thing is 
there's a lot of awesome matchups in this. You know, you're going to have Jalen Ramsey against Jamar Chase, Mike Hilton on Cooper Cup. You're going to have to see, you know, what can this offensive line do against their defensive line? Uh, also, Odell Beckham Jr. is scary. He's got a quarterback that can actually throw the ball. It's going to be really interesting. Eli Apple's probably, you know, Eli Apple, Chidobe, they're going to have their hands full with him. And it's just a really it's, – it's a really cool matchup. Just real quick, and I don't know if you guys have seen this, but, you know, their defense is made up of about four superstars. They've got Eric Weddle playing safety. Dude, dude wasn't even playing ball a month ago. And so it'll be really interesting to see. I also see in their defense, you know, they have ability to get really frustrated. And you see, you know, when they give up touchdowns, there's a lot of finger pointing and blaming. And so you get a, you get a lead and, you know, you might be able to kind of put them away. Yeah. I mean, this Ram, I, I love the point you made about their defense. Like, I think they have a couple solid guys that are more of those glue guys that are, aren't known so much because they're definitely star power oriented. But like, let's look at you know the 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 major news of the day, like Tom Tom Brady retiring. What was Tom Brady's last career pass? Mike Evans absolutely burning Jalen Ramsey like barbecue chicken. That guy was toast. It's him him Jamar is going to be an incredible matchup. Um, and there there are so many when you look across the field, but uh, like I I wasn't really cheering for either team. Like I thought the Niners storyline's cool, you know. The only two times you've been to the Super Bowl, you played them. And now you have the quarterback you feel is elite that's named Joe. Like, I think I thought that was going to be cool. But, you know, the Rams are a tough team. And one thing I want to say, and I'll talk more about next week, but I've, I, no one's really talking about it that much. Zach Taylor's like, he, we, can't, we got him from the Rams. Like, he's, he's the McVay system, which, like, we all know. He knows the ins and outs of that offense. Like, the Rams have ran the same type offense since McVay's been there. I mean, they got Stafford and turned definitely, you know, more to the 11 personnel and try to throw it. But, I mean, Zach, Zach Taylor's going to know that system. And Sean McVay will know a large portion of Taylor's. It's just he wasn't in charge, so you don't know as much. But there's so many just interesting matchups in this game that are going to be so fun to, you know, think about and how they could unfold and then just, you know, watch it. So, there, there's ton, there's tons of cool things uh, that you can look to for this Super Bowl. Yeah, it's going to be incredible, and we are going to give you all of the content we possibly can. We're going to try to get you guys some posts on the blog, some some TikToks, some tweets. We're all going to be out today, and then we will have another episode uh, next Wednesday where we're going to do a deeper dive into the matchup, kind of see what we like in the game. But I think that's going to do it for this one, guys. We hope you enjoyed. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to it. Make sure to follow us on Twitter. Check out the blog. Just check out everything. We're all over the place. And I'm getting it off this one, guys. So we hope you enjoyed, and we will see you guys next time. Hootay.